and welcome to the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of, what are we even doing here from a biblical perspective? We are part of the Christian Podcast Community. Check out this and many other great podcasts at christianpodcastcommunity.org. My name is Daryl, and today I'm going to share with you a sermon. I've shared this man's sermons before. It is Mark Popovich. He's a good friend of mine, brother in Christ. And I just listened to this recently. I think he just preached this this recent Lord's Day from First Peter. So I'm going to let him read the scripture text and take you through the word. And I hope it blesses you as much as it has blessed me. But I also want to, uh, again, ask your a favor from you. If you could continue to pray for me as I am uh, in seminary. My winter term is halfway through. It's only been a, a month term uh, with one class. Pretty intense, a lot of reading. Uh, so please continue to pray for me as the spring is starting soon. And I also ask if you have felt you would like to help support my seminary training other than praying. Of course, praying is most important. But if you feel led to help me financially, I will have a link at the sh- bottom of the show notes where you can just click on that and it goes right into my account. And it, th- I have somewhat of a matching scholarship. So up to a certain amount, the school will match. So if you can please prayerfully prayerfully consider helping me on that end as well, but continue to pray for me as each class is a little more challenging, a little more challenging with my schedule. Uh, I, I recently was was working, and then the place I worked for for the past eight years closed, but the Lord has provided, and I will be starting a new job uh, in a couple weeks. So... I don't know why I share that, but continue to pray as, as you know, I have to balance family, balance work, balance school, and other ministry obligations that I have coming up as well, as, as I will be doing some um, pulpit supply, some um, ex- exhortations at a few churches in our presbytery coming up in, in February, actually end of, end of this month, beginning of February, into March. So continue to pray for the saints at those churches as well, and for me as I prepare to preach the word. But without further ado, I pray my brother Mark Popovich blesses you with the preaching of the word of God. So listen to the word from Mark Popovich. Until next time, I pray you continue to seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. But stay tuned for Mark. Grace and peace. Drive safe, Grady. Give your attention to the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. 
But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this word, a word that proclaims to us eternal life. We pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart that is receptive to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us again to hear and to receive this word, to repent of our sins, to cling to Jesus for eternal life, for forgiveness, for reconciliation and adoption as sons and daughters of the King of Kings. Teach us by your Spirit. Let us hear the voice of Jesus even now. We pray in his name. Amen. So it's January 15th, halfway through the first month of the new year. So it's an appropriate time to give you a checkup on your New Year's resolutions. How are they going so far? You quit on that diet? Lost that membership card to the gym? What about that Bible reading program or your desire to pray more, memorize scripture, or any of those other things that we promise to do in the new year to make us a better person? I bring up New Year's resolutions because our passage tonight, 1 Peter 2, 4 through 10, comes on the heels of what we uh, looked at last time, several weeks ago now, uh, verses 1 through 3, the, the, the weighty proposition that Peter put forth, the putting away, the laying aside of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. And for some, we could read those verses, 1 through 3, and feel like that is a New Year's resolution. Yes! I'm going to do that. And just like the New Year's resolutions we take on January 1st, if we attempt to swallow that whole in our own strength, as commendable and lofty of a goal as that is, it becomes unreasonable, again, in our own strength. And it gets abandoned probably by the end of the first month, dejected and in despair. Resolutions have a way of doing that to us, right? whether it's exercising, going to bed, getting more sleep, reading more, meditating, whatever it might be. And when we fail to uh, reach those goals, these man-made goals that we have, we become dejected. Likewise, when we look at the law of God and see things that even Peter has said in this first letter here, to be holy as God is holy, to love one another from a pure heart, and we say, yes! I'm going to do that. And we fail. We become dejected. Despair. What hope is there? Where can I turn? Well, I have good news for you. If you can believe it, after all of the marvelous words that we've looked at so far in 1 Peter, tonight I believe we reach even greater heights a re-crescendo, if you will, as we dig deep into the treasure troves of redemption. Peter is going to quote from the Old Testament time and time again, even just in this short section, verses 4 to 10. 
We're going to touch upon this section as a whole, but really, I want to just sort of simmer in one verse tonight. Verse 7. The honor is for you who believe. Now, we're also going to consider the flip side of that, the warning that Peter gives right afterwards. But for those who do not believe. But again, simmer, sit, and be delighted by the honor is for you who believe. I have three things, three points that I want to go through tonight. First, the honor of belief. Secondly, the dishonor of unbelief. And then thirdly, the honor in belief. What exactly is the honor that Peter is talking about here? I'll go back over those. It can be a little tricky and mixing those things up. The honor of belief the dishonor of unbelief, and the honor in belief. So first, the honor of belief. Now, I really like how Peter handles faith and belief in his letter here to these churches. Now, these are churches spread out across Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and they're experiencing varying levels of social pressure, persecution, doubts, Conflictions within and without. Peter is most likely writing this from prison himself in Rome. And he's writing to fellow exiles, he calls them. Dispersed strangers in a strange land. Undergoing grievous, fiery trials for an unknown duration of time. Peter comforts his readers by saying, for a little while, if necessary. For a little while. (laughs) Not sure how long a little while is, but... Take comfort. But the temptation to cash out at this point, to walk away from Christ when life isn't all sparkly and glamorous, is real. And it's okay to wrestle with that. I'd say it's even commendable to do so. For we're honoring our humanity, our limitations, our finite beings, when we don't fully understand God's providence. When things don't always go the way we think that they should. Peter himself is well acquainted with this anguish. At the end of John chapter 6, Jesus has just given a staggering statement. Whoever drinks my blood and eats my flesh, this is true food and true drink indeed. And the crowds say, this is a hard saying. And many of them walk away, never to follow the Lord. Peter sees them going, and Jesus says, do you want to go? You can, you can almost feel the pull in Peter's soul. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I don't understand it. I can't fully explain it. But I'm sticking with it. There is honor for the one who believes. And even Peter's sin, denying Jesus three times, before his crucifixion. I can imagine must have weighed on him heavily. He goes out and weeps. Perhaps thoughts of, well, that's it, I've done it. I am ruined, I am undone. Jesus won't have me anymore. There's no hope for me. It would be better for me to go back to my old life. Perhaps that temptation was real for Peter. But he believed. He went to the empty tomb. He believed and there was honor for him. 
So it's not surprising that this apostle comes to these Christians suffering, agonizing, pressure within and without. He comes with words of comfort. And Peter himself, again, has brought some heavy words that I've already mentioned. Be holy, for God is holy. Love one another from a pure heart. And even right here, come to Jesus, a living stone. We'll get to that in just a minute. But at the very heart of it, the pulse of Peter's admonition to the church is that phrase, the honor is for you who believe. Ah, Peter, I don't know, man. I don't feel worthy. I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I continue to sin. I'm, I'm not holy. I don't love as I ought to. Yes, but do you believe? I've got doubts. I've got questions. I can't explain these things. People ask me questions. I don't know how to answer. I'm confused. But do you believe? Are the words of Christ, Jesus, whom you have not seen, do you love Him in such a way that He is the cornerstone, the foundation for your faith, for your life, and such that your, uh, your life is built up to withstand the storms that are sure to come. The honor is for the one who believes. You may have heard the term easy believism. Uh, it's a label that gets tossed about, kind of a derogatory uh, phrase. Uh, I'm not going to get into to that whole discussion, but uh, only to say I, I think there's a, a type of easy believism that we may exhibit uh, a, a apart from that theological discussion that I'm not going to go into. Uh, but, but an easy believism that we, we can just think, for those of us who have grown up in the church, who have been Christians for a long time, may not have had that conversion experience, we might think that it's just simple to put your faith in. Just do it, like a sneaker company would tell us. Just believe in Jesus. It's easy. Come on. What's the problem here? And we don't sympathize with the mental and the spiritual anguish of those around us who hear these fantastical claims that the Bible makes and says, that's a hard saying. Who can bear it? I mean, think about it. There were people who knew Jesus growing up, some that may have seen Him being born, saw Him grow, learn obedience as a child, asking questions, sweating, tiring, hungering, sleeping even. And then one day he comes out and says, I came down from heaven. Wait, what? This is a hard saying. And even in our day and age, for me to stand here and proclaim to you that a man literally, historically, actually was crucified, dead and was buried, and on the third day rose again, shook off the grave like a nap. That is tough to believe. And yet we're called to do so. And there is honor for the one who does. Well, you might ask, well, why would someone believe that when another person does not? How is it that one person believes it and another rejects it? Well, Peter's answer, like Paul's and the rest of scriptures, prevents our boasting in ourselves. 
Because our belief is not some intellectual achievement of our own, but it is a gift of God. The theologian John Murray says, For unless God, by sovereign operative grace, had turned our enmity to love and our disbelief to faith, we would never yield such a response. Peter calls us elect exiles. He calls us a chosen race, a people for God's own possession. This is not of ourselves. We have been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's one of my favorite expressions of the Gospel. We were once not God's people, but now we are. How? It's nothing that I did. Rather, it's because God had mercy on my soul. The honor is indeed for one who believes. And that honor includes the gift of regeneration unto faith in this living stone. Notice the simple duality of responses to what Peter is saying here. This brings me to the second point, the warning uh, against and the, uh, the dishonor of unbelief. Jesus is the living stone, Peter says. He's chosen and precious in the eyes of God. And you either believe it or you don't. There's no third way. There's no middle ground. No neutrality. You can't take bits and pieces of Jesus' claims and stick them together into a Christ of your own liking. It's all or nothing. You believe it or you reject it. And stumble. Rejecting God's chosen and precious living stone, spurning His gracious gift of salvation, Peter says, leads to shame and dishonor as seen in disobedience. Jesus Christ becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the Word. And the Word Peter is talking about is the Word that is preached, the good news Salvation, forgiveness of sins, repentance, everlasting life. Jesus spoke of this word, spoke this word himself on many occasions. One example is, is one that resonates with many people. Matthew, end of Matthew 11. Where our Lord promises rest for our weary souls. If we simply come to him and weary as we might be, take his yoke upon us. Bear his burden. And we might think, this is crazy. Who can believe that? I'm weary, Jesus. And yet you want me to take a yoke? You want me to carry a burden? But the honor is for the one who believes when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There is honor for the one who believes and dishonor for the one who will not believe. That Jesus is the bread of life, the living stone, the living water, the good shepherd, the door, the way, the truth, the life. If you will not believe, there is dishonor, there's stumbling, there's disobedience destined for you. Now someone may catch on to that phrase at the end of uh, middle of verse 7 there. I'm sorry, at the end of verse 8, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Someone may cynically say, well, <laughs> if I'm destined to do that, 
If my rejection of Jesus is what God has planned all along, has decreed, has foreordained, who am I to go against that? What sense is there in me trying to do otherwise if God has destined me to reject Jesus and to disobey and to stumble and to be offended and, and, and uh, to, to turn away and to, to be in unbelief? Well, aside from treating the decrees of God in such a flippant, arbitrary, and fatalistic manner, uh, this way of thinking fails to understand the graciousness of God. His salvation. His sending of His Son. When we think that God's uh, election, predestination, His sovereignty, His decrees, uh, reduce us in any way to simply sitting on our hands waiting for things to happen to us, we don't truly understand the offer of the Gospel. So here it is. Hear the call of the gospel, the voice of which cries aloud in the streets to the ends of the earth. The Bible says, whosoever would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whosoever will call upon his name, will be saved. Whoever runs to the Lord as to a strong tower will find salvation for their souls. And as our passage captures tonight, Whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame. Verse 6. Though you may have to this very day rejected the rock that is Christ, if you repent and turn and come to Jesus even now, He has promised to forgive you of your sins. To never reject you, to never leave you, to never forsake you. I say come by faith to this living stone and see what you are destined for indeed. So that's the honor of belief and also the warning against unbelief. Finally, I want to leave you tonight with just an appetizer of what this honor is that Peter speaks of. Lord willing, uh, next time we're going to dive a little bit deeper into verses 9 and 10. But just to kind of whet your appetite, hopefully send you home with a smile uh, and some joy to take throughout your week, consider what Peter says in verse 5. The honor here, he calls his readers living stones who are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Three quick clusters of joy for you to tuck away for time of need. First, notice our connection, our union with God's beloved Son. Jesus is called the living stone here, chosen and precious. And by the way, that word precious uh, has the implications uh, of being precious due to testing Uh, due to fitting just right for the structure of a house or a building uh, to be erected strong and complete and whole, uh, secure, uh, a a sure foundation. That's the idea that Peter is getting at here with preciousness. And so we are in Christ. And Peter calls us living stones as well. Chosen and tested, he's already said. The tested genuineness of your faith. Thus, in order to come together and to be built up 
as God's church, a witness to His majesty, to His glory, to His love, and to His holiness for the world around us to see. Now, just as the temple was an unmistakable and imposing edifice of beauty uh, to who God is, to what God demands, and to the works that God has done, so too the church, the invisible church that is, the people, the body, the community, we are built up together in order to call all men, women, and children unto repentance and worship through the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The honor is for the one who believes, the honor of being a part of God's harvest of souls. Now, speaking of the temple, the second cluster is are, are all those uh, allusions to the temple, to the priesthood, to the sacrificial system. Uh, we're not going to go through all of them, but uh, there are many of them, as I said, in the short passage here. Now, keep in mind, Peter is writing this letter before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So the temple still stands in Jerusalem. The priesthood carries on, the sacrificial system is ongoing, and yet... Uh, Peter is saying that the emotion, the pride, the honor that all those things evoke in God's people, Israel, that the temple, the gold, the ceremonies, all those things are being surpassed by God's work now in His people being built up as a body from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue. God is building up you and me and every believer in Christ into a new kind of tabernacle. Into a temple for the residency of the Holy Spirit. We read elsewhere that those things were shadows and types of a heavenly reality. And Peter honors his audience with that very distinction. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy priesthood. You are the building, the temple for spiritual sacrifices. You have been sprinkled clean with the blood of Jesus, ransomed, redeemed by the true Passover lamb. Jesus' disciples would walk by the temple and say, Lord, look at these wonderful buildings. Look at these fabulous stones. And Peter says, that sort of awe and honor is now yours, thanks to your union with Christ, His preciousness, His chosen, uh, His being chosen by God. Now the third cluster brings us right back to where we started. That's the amazing grace that through Jesus Christ now our offerings, our spiritual sacrifices, our worship is acceptable to God. Not meaning that they count as works uh, of righteousness and our standing before God, but because we are in Christ, as the hymn says, our lisping praise is a delight to God's ears. Our feeble worship is strengthened by the Holy Spirit. He is the one who aids us in our prayers. Christ, at the right hand of the Father, intercedes on our behalf. We're talking about New Year's resolutions and the despondency that they can, can bring when we fail to achieve them. Peter is saying, take heart, you who believe and come to the living stone. You who come to Him by faith, you are accepted in the sight of God because He is the one who was rejected by men. 
and yet chosen and precious. You have that joy and that honor is yours indeed. Let us pray.